thank you for who you are, Lord. I pray your blessing on us today. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking. God, I thank you that I feel the joy of the Lord in the house today. We thank you for that. We thank you that you're lifting burdens. We thank you that you're lifting um, heavy hearts and that you are giving us the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us to be able to continue to move forward in what you're calling us to do. This is a good day to be serving the Lord. And we thank you for such a time as this that we are here. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been on a sermon series called Renovate. You guys, this is the last week of it, and we've had an amazing time on this series. It's been, I believe, just revelation for us to walk in, especially for this new year that God desires to do a renovation work in you. And we kind of compared some of the work to things, you know, like we see on HGTV, the whole fixer-upper and all these different fun shows that we see. And that's kind of what God wants to do in us. See, the definition of renovation is to restore to good condition, to make new or new again, to repair. And we see in Ephesians 4, 23 and 22, if you can get that, yes. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your what? old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this has been like the foundational scripture of what God has been doing in us through this work. The number one thing that we need after a renovation is maintenance, friends, is maintenance. That's the word that the Lord gave me. It takes maintenance. Now, you see this picture up here of that big hole? I didn't just rip that off the Internet, friends. I ripped that off my sister's Facebook page. And what she titled it is, this is what being a homeowner looks like. If you're a homeowner in here, Josh and I are, this is what being a homeowner looks like. It takes maintenance. And, you know, some of us get so caught up in the beginning process, the renovation from the the old is gone and the new is here. And we think once we have this new, that that's it. And there's nothing else that we have to do to continue to take care of the new. And that's where we mess up. I was talking to Pastor Josh just to confirm because he's a big HGTV junkie. And, well, I've told you guys there's, like, one show on I like on it. So I wasn't positive, but I had a hunch. I said, babe, is there a show on HG, HGTV that talks about maintenance? You know, like a reality show that just shows people fixing up their houses, like when their pipes break or, you know, when this happens. He's like, no, I, I can't recall a show like that. I'm like, well, duh, because nobody likes that. that no one's going to watch that. That's just going to put you in a bad mood. Like, oh, man, you know what I mean? It's like you get this house and you you get it where you, and then all of a sudden you got a pipe that breaks and you got to dig in your backyard and you got this big old hole in your backyard. I've been there like 2013. That was our house, (laughs) you know, or something, something happens and you have your, your roof and you got a leak and then it's going through not just your leak, your, your, your ceiling, but it's, it's went down through your pipes. And now all of a sudden you have to replace a whole entire bathroom or a wall or something crazy no one wants to watch a show about like that because that's real life is that not real life that's real life and this is the thing friends we get we've got to realize in our christian walk 
that there's things that we have to do for maintenance so that we can continue to live right. The Lord showed me that our problem is not getting started in the renovation process. It's maintaining that process. And then he gave me a comparison. The comparison in my mind was when a person starts a diet. Okay, it's the beginning of the year, so some of us are are, are there again, <laughs> you know. And, and when a person starts a diet, very if you start a diet even for a week, very you don't have to do very much, and you can lose weight, especially if you haven't diet like say through all the Christmas season. You you can lose weight pretty quick, you know. And the hard thing is, is once you continue on that, is to keep the weight off. And I know this because since I've had justice five times, I've done this. Up and down, up and down. Lost the weight. And then as soon as you lose it, you're like, oh, I'm good. And then you're not doing what it takes to maintain the weight loss. And then all of a sudden you gain it back again. And you might find yourself writing a letter like this. Dear diet, it's not me. It's you. I just don't think it's going to work between us. You're boring, tasteless, and I can't stop cheating on you. Right? You might find yourself writing a letter like that. This is the thing. In our Christian walk, it's awesome when God does the renovation process and we're restored and we're revived and we know the old has passed away and the new is here. But then we start beginning to walk out that new life for a while and we find ourselves stopping doing the things we did at first. We're not in our Bi- we're not reading our Bible anymore. We're not praying anymore. We find ourselves stop going to church. We find ourselves stop doing the things that we did at first. And we are wondering why all of a sudden, but well, I'm saved. Why am I going through this? Because we haven't learned what it takes to maintain our growth and our pro- that that process of growing in the Lord. And we've got to be careful, or we'll find ourselves writing a letter like this to God. And so we got to we got to realize that it takes maintenance. In order to mature in the Lord, we need to understand maintenance is key. The definition of maintenance is the act of maintaining. The state of being maintained supports the building has suffered from years of poor maintenance. Mm. The upkeep or prop, a property or equipment the maintenance of a school. See, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst? Friends, we've got to realize when we walk in the Lord and we are the temple of God, we are, if you will, God's building, that there's things that we've got to do to keep, to have upkeep there's things that we've got to do to, to keep things in good order spiritually. And so today I want to kind of bring up three things that we need to do in order to maintain our progress in the Lord. Three maintenance. You want to hear them? Three things. Okay. Number one, we need proper building materials. Proper building materials are necessary. They are not optional. They're necessary. See, 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13 says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light, 
it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Although Paul here uses six different types of building materials, there's really only two categories. And the two categories are you're either using costly material or cheap material. And friends, with our own walk with the Lord, see, when we read this, that scripture in context, the beginning part talks about the foundation is already laid and the foundation is Jesus Christ. But what you build upon that, friends, is up to you. The foundation, and then it, when you read on, after, right after the scripture, it talks about some, some might uh, have their works burn up and they might make it to heaven, but basically smelling like smoke. <laughs> Some of us, we just want to just get there. We don't realize that there's going to be a reward for the work that you do here on earth. And if you are building your temple, the foundation is already Jesus. The foundation is already laid. But if you're building your temple with cheap materials, when the fires of life happen, because they do, we... The Bible says we go through many kinds of trials and tests and temptations. So when the fires of life happen, if you're building with cheap material, what the work that you're doing, it's going to burn up like that. Now, when Paul wrote this um, letter to the Corinthians, it was during the time, you know, where, where the Roman Empire was taking over. And he, you know, he was able to see the different things. And there's still, if you ever get an opportunity, I would love to myself, haven't, but I've seen pictures of going to Rome. There's still buildings that are, I mean, it's not like America. We don't have anything, you know, but a few, you know, a couple hundred years old or whatever. Over in other parts of the world, I mean, thousands, right, of years old. So you can go to Rome and you can see certain buildings that were built with the good materials, with costly stones. And that's not talking about diamonds and sapphires. When you look that up in the Greek, it's talking about like marble and good construction material, good stones that will build a building that will last forever. Okay, but they are talking about gold and silver and the things that they decorate it with with, um, in their buildings. There's some of these buildings that are still around today. But the ones that were made of wood, hay, and, and straw, friends, that's basically like, have you ever heard the, the, the three, the, the three pigs, right? The story, the old, and then here comes the big bad wolf. Come on, y'all. We've all heard that story growing up, right? And what happens when the big bad wolf comes to the hay and to the straw? Blow it right over it. But it's the one that was made of brick that lasts, right? I, this, I don't know who is the original author of that story, but they had, I, I had to think that they had to be inspired a little bit about, by Paul's writing. So Paul, he sees these beautiful buildings that were, that have still, some of them made it to today. But then he goes over and there was a huge slave population during the Roman Empire and their, their slavery was not like ours. It wasn't just, it wasn't based on, on, on race, like in American culture and history. They just, whoever, they just had huge indigenous servants and slaves and they had their own quarters. They didn't live with these beautiful buildings that were made of marble and beautiful costly stone. They lived in houses that they insulated the walls with straw. Hmm. The roof was made of, uh, of straw and, and, and uh, hay. And basically, when you look at the Greek word for these things, it was the, the materials they used were used to feed animals with, and yet they're building their houses with it because that was all that they were allowed. So one little accident, not only would their house catch on fire, but the whole neighborhood would be taken out, friends. 
That's why there's none of those houses that have survived all these thousands of years later. So this, what God, what, what God is saying through Paul is, how are you building your legacy? The foundation is Jesus. But are you building, are the works that you're doing for him, are you doing them in such a way that it's going to last, not just your lifetime, but generations to come? Are you building in such a way that your motives are wrong, that you have a bad attitude about it, that you're doing it for show, and it is just going to, as soon as a trial is going to come, as soon as a fiery trial comes your way, it's going to be caught up in a puff of smoke. How are you building your life? How are you building your life today, friends? Are you using costly material or cheap material? Are you building hastily with perishable materials? Are you taking your time, taking your life seriously, building carefully with materials that will last throughout your life and strong enough to impact not only this present generation, but the generations to come? See, the foundation under our life is Jesus. But what we build on top of it, friends, let me remind you, what we build on top of the foundation depends on your personal commitment and the level of excellence we demand of ourselves in every area of our lives. That's why one of Josh and I's models is excellence honors God and reflects his character. I don't want to just do something to do it. I want to, I want to do it with excellence that I would honor God and reflect his character. Are you building your life that will be enduring? Are you building so hastily and poorly that everything you've built could go up suddenly in a puff of smoke? Let's think about it for a minute. How are you building your marriage? Are you building your marriage that will flourish or will perish as soon as trouble comes? Because don't think that there's never a a fight in the Hester household. (laughs) Don't think there's never been a trial. Every marriage goes through trials. But our 16 years, almost 16 years of marriage did beat the 30-year-old marriage contest and the 20-year-old marriage contest when we took a game over the Nemeth house this weekend. We did kick their butts. Okay, Lord, forgive me for bragging, and please bless the rest of this message. Sorry, guys. I told you, I'm human, man. Temptation. We did this newlywed game, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I went into it thinking, oh, we're going to, that's not even fair. We're going up. They've got double the, double our time. Earl and Renee have been married 30 years. they got 20 years. They, they're going to kick our butts. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this message. I just had to put that out there real fast because that was fun. How are you building your marriage? Y'all should have seen these guys. They were clowning. Oh, my goodness. Earl, oh, he is a trip and a half. Oh, my goodness. He was butt kissing like I ain't never seen. All right. (laughs) But I will say this. What we did this weekend, hanging out with other married couples, playing games together, and, and being married together, built our marriage, did it not? I said, I told my husband, I said, man, I came down to prayer this morning, and it was it was uh, Pastor Earl and Pastor Albert and Dorothy and Angel. Everybody was all chipper. It was like, whistle while you work, man. I ain't never seen everybody that happy in the morning. Like, I was like, I think everybody was still having just a good old time from our weekend hanging out together. It encourages you. Build your marriage by getting together with other people who are married that love each other instead of other people who are married that hate each other. You're going to pick that up. 
something romantic with one another. Go on a date. Oh, but I've been married 25 years and I got so many kids. Go on a date. Go on a date. How long have you been married, Pat? 44 years. And guess what? She was making out on the kiss cam the, the other time. I'm just telling you what she said on Facebook. They caught her just this last week or a couple weeks ago, this past month. At, at, at a basketball game, they caught her and her hubby 40 years later. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want. If you're married, that's what you want. That's what you want. Invest in your marriage. What are you doing with just the two of you? Invest in your marriage. Okay, that's marriage. There's a lot of people who aren't married in here, so stop thinking about that. Gotta, you know, gotta work that out when it's his time, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna ask you this. How are you building your children? How are you building your children? Will your children pass the test of life because of what you are putting into them? I encourage you, if you have children, man, get here on Wednesday nights to this class that we're teaching, The Blessing. It teaches you, it doesn't even matter if your children are grown and you have grandchildren now. Learn to bless one another and especially how to pass the blessing down to your children. How are you building your children? How are you building your relationships, your friendships, your coworkers? How are you building your, your relatives, your relationships? Are you building your relationships so they can stand against any storm? Or is your relationship so surfy it's kind of still like high school? I watched this show with my kids yesterday on the Disney Channel, and the little girl got mad at the other little girl because one little girl made the cheerleading squad and the other little girl didn't make the cheerleading squad, and so the other little girl didn't tell the other little girl that, congratulations, so they broke up being friends. And I'm watching this crap, and I'm telling my daughter, this is like ridiculous. This is like so stupid. This is not, this, this is, this only should be in high, this should not go further than high school. But then I start thinking, oh my goodness, I talk to people like that at church. Why are people at church so stuck like they're in high school? Like, oh my gosh, they didn't say hi to me. And so I'm not going to be their friend. I'm going to go to a different church where they say hi to me. Eh. And I'm like, oh my goodness. People are so stuck on that. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with our immaturity? I told my daughter, I said, you do not have to have friends like this. I said, my best friend and I have been best friends for over 20 years, and I cannot think of one real fight that we ever got into. I can only think of one time when I was bridezilla and right before I got married, and she was my maid of honor, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to have this and this and this and this. And she had a, we were going down Glendale, and I remember her slamming on the brakes and looking at me like, you got to get this together. And that's all it took. I got it together. Bridezilla went bye-bye. You know what I'm saying? But we, we appreciate each other. And, we, and if we have a disagreement, we're not, oh, my gosh, I'm not your friend anymore. Oh, my gosh, I'm not your friend anymore either. But we act like that in church sometimes, friends. I can't believe that person didn't invite me to their circle of eight. It's called a sign-up sheet. Did you fill it out on the bulletin piece of paper? <laughs> I can't believe that person walked past me and didn't say hello. Maybe they were going to the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? I saw one time. It was like a race. This was like a couple weeks ago. It was in between service, and it was a race between me and Steve. Thank God that, that we don't have, like, a bathroom that both, you know, genders have to use. There's some places that have that, like, you know what I mean? But we were racing to the bathroom. You remember that? We were, we were racing to the bathroom. Who was going to go to the bathroom? If someone was going to say hi to either one of us that day, they weren't going to get a high back. We had to go. You drank coffee all during first service and then second. I mean, it happens sometimes. I'm being silly, but this is the thing, friends. Don't, aren't we immature like that and we wonder why we don't have relationships that last oh i want a real i want a friendship of 20 years well why did you break up with somebody the moment they didn't want to do something you wanted? we break up with friends what is up with that that's silly we're if you are out of high school 
be grown. Stop with all that. Say, I'm going to stop with all that. How are you building your relationships? Are you building relationships so they can stand against any storm? How are you building your ministry? Well, I don't have a ministry. Yes, you do. Every single person should have a ministry. Because ministry, the word minister, just means servant. And all of us are called to serve God and to serve one another. So how are you building your ministry? How are you building your ministry? How are you doing it? Are you building a ministry that will last a lifetime and affect the next generation? How are you building your business? Will the steps that you are taking today build a long-term business or will later you have regret that you didn't make longer-lasting decisions? How are you building your finances? Well, am I using my money in a way that will build my future or am I throwing it away and being reckless today? How are you building your health? Uh-oh, you saw my diet letter. Lord, help me. Come on. How are you building your health? If I keep doing what I'm doing right now, will I be healthier later in life? Or is the present lifestyle jeopardizing my future physical health? Friends, can what you are building survive a fire? Can what you're building survive a fire? Because fires will come. And I'm not just talking about the fires of hell, friends. No, I'm talking about these people made it to heaven, right? They stand before the Lord, and, 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 and the foundation was there. The foundation was Jesus. But what they built upon, that, upon the foundation could either be costly material or cheap material. If it was cheap material, when the fires of this life, when temptations and, and, and trials and obstacles come in this life, their work was caught up in a, in a puff of smoke. Or if they built with costly material, it still was able to stand. Make sure you're using proper building materials. Say it takes maintenance. It takes maintenance. Another thing we need in order to maintain our progress in the Lord is we need to protect your temple from the enemy. Say protection. See, God dropped this scripture this week in my heart, and I've been chewing on it all week. Matter of fact, I shared part of this. With the high school students at TCS, I was talking to somebody in, in uh, like a moment of coaching um, this week on a one-on-one session with somebody, and God just dropped this scripture, and I've been chewing on it all week. The scripture is found in Song of Solomon, and it's one that I've never heard preached before. I'm sure it has been, but I've never heard it. And it says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard, our vineyards that are in bloom. Now, before you move on and show any pictures, let me set, set you up for this. I, when I think of this in its context, I want to break down to you. This is found, I, I remembered the scripture, but I couldn't recall where it was found at because, again, I haven't heard that script. That's not like for God to love the world, right? No one, th- this is not a very f- familiar passage, correct? It's not one that we hear all the time. And then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, I think that's in Isaiah, right? So I'm going to, to, to look where it's at, and I'm like, Song of Solomon? This is a Song of Solomon. If you know what that book is about, it's also called the Song of Songs, which means the the greatest song of all songs. It's a love song between the uh, lover and the beloved. It's between uh, a man and a woman, and it's basically a metaphor of Jesus and his church, right? Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride. It shows the great love that God has for the church. And so this is basically like, 
a wedding song, right? I still remember the song that Josh and I danced to in our wedding. Our wedding. We wanted our first song to be dedicated to God. So we chose a song that talked about um, uh, taking our sin as far as the east is from the west, way old school, like late 90s type of song. And we were the, how we did our first dance is we turned our backs towards the people and we closed our eyes and we just began to worship the Lord for our first song together as a husband and wife. And I, that song, when I hear that song, which I don't hear all the time because it's old school, but when I hear that song, I can't help but remember just how much I love God, how much he took me from, how much he saved me from, and how much I love my husband because it's our song, because it was our wedding song. This book, the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, it is a wedding song that Jesus has for his church. So it, it, it caught me off guard when I saw Catch Rust the Foxes, the little foxes that are ruining our vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom, in a wedding song. I said, huh, let me think about that for a minute. And uh, it, almost immediately I felt the Lord dropped in my heart. That is because in the intimacy that I have created for you and I to be together, we need to be careful that nothing comes in between it. And sometimes it's the little things that come in and they keep us from being intimate together. And I thought, man, if this is not a warning for the church today, that we need to be careful because God is a jealous God and he does not want to share your love with anything else, even those little things, even those little foxes. See, if we don't keep up our vineyard, our personal relationship with God, then we will not produce fruit. And so I start thinking about foxes and I, I start realizing that the church's problem is we only recognize the enemy as a roaring lion. But we fail to notice when the enemy comes in like a little fox. When I think of foxes, I think of this picture. Mm-hmm. I'm a mom and one of my kids who will rem- re- remain nameless <laughs> used to be obsessed with Dora back in the day. I mean, obsessed with Dora. And so this little stupid fox was Dora's arch enemy, right? She didn't have a big old lion. She had this little fox always trying to mess her up, always coming and swiping. And the kids would yell at the TV, Swiper, no, swiping. Come on, some of y'all remember that. I know y'all kids made you watch that too. Swiper, no, swiping. And the Lord began to show me what a, the difference between a, a roaring lion And a fox is a roaring lion is obvious. And the enemy does come in like a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour us, what the Bible says. The roaring lion are those obvious sins, those ones that the church all rallies against, like abortion and gay marriage and and, and adultery and, and, you know, alcoholism and all these, an addiction, all these big sins that we rally against and we make marches and all this stuff. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. we got to take down the big ones. But sometimes, friends, it's the little, sneaky, crafty, Swiper little sins that take us out and ruin our vineyard and keep us from producing fruit. So we need to protect our 
temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to protect our vineyard, that place that God has given us to have intimacy, to have one-on-one time with Jesus. We need to protect our personal relationship with God because if not, the swiper is coming. If not, that little sly, crafty, manipulative fox is coming. You know, the fox has been throughout centuries and all kinds of folklore and, and stories and fables because he's always been he's always been shown as a sly and crafty prey and his and he's clever and he may not be big but friends best believe he's up to mischief he's up to destroy your vineyard Friends, it's the little foxes that keep you from producing fruit. It's the little foxes that keep you from intimacy from God. It's the little foxes that can destroy your personal relationship with God. It's after we get saved and we think, oh, man, I'm, I'm on fire. The new has come that we forget to realize that if we're not maintaining our growth, if we don't have upkeep in our temple, it's those little things that come in that bring destruction. We must maintain our vineyards. Which means we have to catch the little foxes, the little sins in our life that keep us from producing fruit. Jesus is the true vine, and apart from him, we can bear we can bear nothing. Fruit only comes from our intimacy and our relationship with him. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. The thing is, friends, if we don't catch the foxes in our life, we will not produce fruit, but we will also not be able to say the next verse in this beautiful love song. And the verse is, my lover is mine and I am his. That's right after catching the little foxes, friends. We can't let anything come in our way of our relationship with God. So you need to seek the Lord's face and say, what's the little things that's coming in the way that's keeping me from praying, that's keeping me from seeking out my word, that's keeping me from coming to church, that's keeping. Sometimes it's the little things that we stop doing. Well, well, I already know my scripture. I don't have to be in it daily anymore. That's a little thing that we stop doing. That's going to, that's going to mess up. That's going to mess you up. Oh, I, you know, I'm too busy to set aside time every day to pray. That's a little thing that you stop doing. That's going to mess you up, friends. That's that little fox trying to come in. What's the little thing in your life that you're justifying that's keeping you from saying, my lover is mine and I am his. We've got to protect our vineyard. Amen. Amen. We've got to build with proper materials and we've got to protect our temple, our personal relationship with the Lord. Say it takes maintenance. Another thing needed for suitable upkeep and to keep us to continue to grow in the Lord is we've got to be willing to pay the price. Say pay the price. Luke 14, 28 and 30 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. I've seen it happen. I've seen people come to the Lord and try to do a great work, even ministries that have started up, and, and for some reason they didn't put into it what needed to be put into it, and it didn't make it. We need to count the cost in order to pay the price. Do you see that? If you're going to pay the price, you first got to count the cost. The thing is, is we sometimes want to blame the devil. We want to blame 
enemy for everything that goes wrong when sometimes this is our own lack of planning and preparation. That is not the devil's fault, friends. That is your fault for not planning and preparing. I have one child that has the gift of foresight. This child always is thinking about what's coming up next. This, <laughs> this child is the one that will let me know, I got this test this day, this test next day. We're going to have to study this day. We got to put in time this day. We got to do this. And I'm like, this child has a gift of foresight that he, he, he thinks, okay, not just about what I need to do today, but this is what I got to do tomorrow. I'm like, God is going to use that gift and that child to do some incredible things. But most of us only think about today and not tomorrow. We want the benefits without the work. We want that awesome marriage. But we don't want to put the work in that gets that awesome marriage. We want that skinny body. Buff and muscular. And we think one day at the gym is going to do it. Friends, if one day at the gym was going to do it, we would all be there. But it takes time. It takes effort. It takes work. Got to count the costs in order to pay the price. We want a ministry, but we don't want to first serve under someone else's ministry. See, in the old days, before you became a tradesman, you had to be an apprentice first. But now we want to we want to be a pastor, go online and get some little fake degree and start our own church without ever serving underneath anyone first. Guess what? I started cleaning the toilets. Started doing bookkeeping and that is God knows that's not my gift. Started doing all kinds of things that I didn't want to do. That's and serving and being faithful in small things. We got to be an apprentice before we're ever a tradesman, friends. It could be in business too. You want that promotion, but you don't want to put the work in and, and, and take the overtime that's offered you. But I got things to do. You want a promotion? You got to be the best. You got to be the best worker there to get that promotion. You want that bonus? You got to put the time in. You want that degree? You don't get a degree for going to school one semester. Friends, part of the reason we see so much failure and those who have been called to do great things is because there is not the time that is put aside for preparation. We've got to prepare. We go into marriage, and I'm telling you what, we don't even do marriage counseling. And we put it on the path. It ain't my job to chase you down and say, if you want to do some marriage counseling, chase me down if you want marriage counseling. That's like the one counseling I agree to do. I don't like any other counseling, so don't chase me down at all. I'm going to say no and, and, and pr- refer you to somebody else. <laughs> but I enjoy, mar- especially pre-marriage counseling, I enjoy. Because I think it's so important. We, we went through, we, we not only met with our pastor a few times, we met with other people who were older than us and talked to them. Matter of fact, before we even got married, we went to the elders of our church and said, is this a good fit? Is there any red flags that's going to say that this is not going to work? This is, I, I counted the cost. I said, I, want, I don't want to go into this eight years and, and nine years and ten years later be a divorce. Is this a good fit? Is this going to be good together? 
And then the, every book they recommend, reread. The before I say I do. I mean, we talked about how we were going to discipline our children before Joshua was ever a twinkle in our eye. We agreed and how we were going to discipline our children. We, these are things proper. We, we said we learned our love languages right in the very beginning. We read the book, The Five Love Languages. My mom was throwing books at us. Here, read this one. Love and respect. Here, read this one. And I took the advice. And not only did I take the advice that was given from my parents and elders, I took the advice of people who were vulnerable enough to say, this is why it failed for me. This is what I didn't do. Because we got to learn from that too, friends. We've got to prepare. If you want a successful life, if you want awesome children, then go to focus on the family. Start getting yourself equipped. Start reading some of the things so that can equip you to help you raise godly children. You wonder why they're acting crazy? You've been telling them they're breasts and they're no goods for how many years? That is not going to raise godly children. Call them, oh, that little beep, 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 beep. And not only saying it to them, but plastering all over Facebook. You are speaking curses on your children. What are we doing to prepare, friends? Preparation is key. Count the cost in order to pay the price. Preparation is key. Many times failure happens because there is a lack of foresight that's needed to see the project through until it's finished. I don't want the enemy to stand before me and to mock me because I didn't put the time into it. And so today, we're learning it takes maintenance. Say it takes maintenance. maintenance. Now, I want to take a moment to be real with you. Can I be real with you for a moment? I want to talk about some, I think it's funny at times when God drops a word. I'm telling you, I've had Pat Cook praying for me. I've had spiritual warfare all week. Uh, Pastor Dawn got my talk it over sheet together today, and she said, uh, Joy, I, you know, I don't always get to read your sermon. I read it, and it was so good. I said, Pastor Dawn, I, I said, I wrote three sermons this week. I did. I wrote three. I wrote one on Wednesday. I wrote one on um, uh, Friday, and then I wrote this one on Saturday night. I, God has just been, like, throwing all the and, – and, and I had to make sense of it all because I'm like, I've been – battling spiritual warfare like I've never battled before. Now, it's funny that the Lord dropped this in my heart, that it takes maintenance. Because sometimes when God does something in the spiritual, there's something in the physical that kind of goes along with it. Okay? We see that all the times in, the, in, in prophetic writings, especially in the Bible, you know, um, where, where the, the prophet will come to the king and say, you want to defeat the enemy? And he's like, yes. And he said, okay, take the arrows that I'm giving you and, and you know, smash the ground with them. And the, the, the king only did it. You know, a couple times he said, if you would have done it longer than that, we would have wiped them all out. But since you only did it three times, you're only going to have three victories. There was something in the physical that represented something in the physical and so, or in the spiritual. Okay, so I'm sitting here thinking of all these things that warfare that I've been going through. And then the Lord said, we're talking about renovation. Renovation is awesome. But the reason why so many people don't stick it out in their Christian walk is because they get born again and then they forget maintenance. It's not just getting a new house. It's not just taking out the old and putting in the new. It's, it's the upkeep. Now, since about the summertime, we've realized we've had a problem with the elevator in this church. And I'm like, man, forget the stupid elevator. And I'm brainstorming. Can we do it? Can we get a chair lift? Can we put an outside ramp? Can, and, and I'm thinking all these things can we do? And, and I'm going, 
I'm, I'm avoiding the, the issue for the most part because I'm sick of the elevator being real. Right? And then last week, I had one of our um, seasoned saints, if you will, come up to me and said, Pastor Joy, when are we going to get the elevator fixed? And I felt the Holy Spirit shoot through my heart. It takes maintenance. It takes maintenance. We got to put into it. And so finally, I called the elevator guy up, and they know us because we just put $32,000 into that elevator two years ago. But they told us when we put that $32,000 into this elevator, you got to remember our building's about 100 years old. They said, the next thing that's going to go, and I had two elevator companies tell me, they said, this has been giving you a problem for years. You've been getting by with it, but it's going to go soon, is this pump that we have, right? It's called the pump, right? And so I called them back up, and they said, yeah, it's going to be $17,000, but this is what I'm going to do for you. You only have to give us $3,500 down, and I will give you interest-free for a whole year because I know that you guys are our non And he said, and if we have to, I can extend it to 18 months, but I would like you guys to try to get this paid off in a year. You did it before with $32,000. You can do it with $17,000. And so I'm coming before you today humbly because I do not like to talk about money and this kind of stuff with people. But it takes maintenance, and it takes all of us to come together. And so... And you, you might have noticed that there's this pledge card called a capital campaign pledge card that's in your bulletin. It's kind of right in with your tithe thing. I'm asking you guys to go ahead and take that out. And I want you to look at that. Because I, we, we do not have it right now to be able to put that $3,500 down. And it's going to be really tight to, to pay basically an, an additional $1,200 a month to get the rest of it paid off. But I know that we can do it if everybody prays and says, what can I do to help with this elevator? And so I'm going to ask you guys to pray about it. If I can have uh, somebody come on the keys, I wanted to set an atmosphere of just the presence of the Lord. Because I believe that God is going to bless us when we say we're going to help take care of God's temple, of, of, of the local house of worship that we attend. So what I want to ask you to do first, if you do not tithe, in the, in the church, and you know that you're born again and that you're saved, a tithe is a 10% of, I need to look at that too, if you can give it back when you're done, 10% of your income. So if you make $100 in a week, okay, hopefully most of us make more than that, but if you make $100 in a week, that is how much? $10 in tithe, okay? $1,000 in two weeks or one week or whatever, that is what? $100. So that's what a tithe is. We believe in a tithe. We're a church that believes in the tithe. Some people say it's an Old Testament uh, practice. We believe that that's for thousands of of years as the church has been around. The church has believed in a tithe. It's how the lights in this building don't stay on for just uh, for free, friends. We have to pay for it. You know, the upkeep in the building doesn't happen without without generous support. And so if you don't give a tithe, I'm asking you to give a tithe, especially if you're born again and you know that you're saved. If you are already tithing, I'm going to ask you, would you pray and ask what you can give above that tithe? Maybe it's giving up your latte once a week. That $5 times four is what? That's 20 bucks, an additional 20 bucks a month that can go towards repairing the elevator. If, and I'm going to say this, if you don't have the faith to tithe yet, you're not there. 
give something every single week. But if you're already giving, I'm going to ask you to pray about what you can give more than you already give. Because if we don't give more, we will not be able to repair this elevator. And it will keep people from coming up into the presence of God. Yeah, they can get down to a meal, but don't we want that just to be the 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 bait on the on the fishing pole? We want to bring them in to where they could come up into the presence of the Lord. And I'm not saying the presence of the Lord can't be at the meal, but we want them to be a part of the body. We want them to participate in our Sunday morning services. Don't we have elderly among us that we want to say, we honor you, we value you, we feel it's important for you to be here. How are we honoring them and valuing them if we're not even making it available for them to use the elevator? And so I'm going to ask you to seriously seek the Lord on what you can give about this. I do not want this to be a manipulation. You don't have to do it right now, okay? Take that home. Pray about it. See, talk to your spouse. Don't just do it and expect your spouse to be in agreement. Talk to your spouse about it if you're married in here. If you're single in here, that's even easier. Just talk to the Lord, write it down, and then give it to us. I'm asking ushers. I already asked. Did you get that taken care of? I'm asking the ushers to be at the back um, and then one here. And if you feel like... Um, you want to give something for that today, you can. Because we need, a, we need by next month, we need to come up with a down payment of $3,500. i am going to ask you guys this way. I know that this is the season that we get a tax return. Maybe you can't do something monthly, but maybe from your tax return you can give something that, significant. If you can, please consider, consider doing it. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Can you say with me again? It takes maintenance. It takes maintenance. Let's let's bow our heads for just a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people in this place. God, we have generous people here. We really do. We have people that that give above and beyond what, what you ask them to give because they love you so very, very much. God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would bless them so much through and through, Lord, that you would bless them. God, I pray for those today that are in this place who have never given before. God, you are putting a number on their heart. Maybe they don't have it with them today. Maybe they won't have it for a couple of weeks. But God, I pray that they would be faithful to that number that you're dropping in their heart today. God, I pray for those who already give. And God, I pray that that number that you've given them to give above what they're already given. Lord, I pray that you would help them be faithful to that as well. And God, not just what we can give here for this elevator, but God, I pray that you would teach us that it takes maintenance in our spiritual walk with you. It's not just about renovation. It's about maintenance. It's not just about the fixer-upper. It's about keeping up, the upkeep of our walk with you, maintaining the growth that we have. God, I pray that every single person in this place will build with, with costly materials, with proper building materials, that, that they would be able to offer you something, Lord God, not just their lives, but they would be able to say, this is the work that I've done for your name, that it will be lasting, a lasting work beyond their lifetime to the next generation. God, I pray that you would help us protect our vineyard, that you would help us protect our personal relationship with you, that if there be any foxes, any little sins that are trying to come into our camp, that we would catch them and get rid of them, that we would be able to say, I am, my lover is mine and I am his. And God, I pray that we would begin to have foresight, that we would be properly equipped and trained to do the work that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray you would bless every single person here today. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. There are ushers at both doors. If you feel like you want to 